Good day, good evening, good up wherever you are in the world. My name is Kerry Mussington and today I bring, you said announce you how I wanted to, so I'm going to announce you as Dickon Bettinger. Is that how I've said yeah. the name completely right? Yeah, that's right, Dickon Bettinger. Yeah. Well, I do suicide prevention for a living and awareness, and I'm very keen to find a different understanding of exploring the mind and what you had to bring to the table to somebody out there is going to be listening to what you have to say because there are people searching for a way forward out of this depression. And it's important that some issues are discussed. So bringing in awareness, bringing in different people such as yourself. I'm honoured to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Um, oh, you're welcome, Kerry. Yeah. So can you tell us a little about what you deliver and what you do and where you're coming from right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to you from the state of Washington in the northwest corner of the United States. Uh, I live here with my wife and I have two grown kids and four grandkids and about when I first graduated from college I became a high school English teacher and I looked very very young. I think I looked younger than the high school students I was teaching. And, and parents' night, when I stood there in my sports coat and tie, the parents thought I was a student playing a prank. Uh, so, uh, but because I looked so young and, and I felt so much compassion for my students, I had countless students coming to me to talk about their personal problems. And I got very interested and then I became very passionate about what can I share with people that will make them have an easier time of life. So I went back and got my master's degree in counseling psychology and then I got a doctorate in counseling psychology and became licensed as a psychologist. So I left teaching so that I could continue my role as teacher, but in the field of edu in psychology. And so 44 years ago, I became licensed as a psychologist and I've had the opportunity to uh, do, to work with people from every conceivable background. And then for 16 years, I worked in large companies teaching people how to use their minds more wisely so they could do better there and it affected not only the people in the companies but their families because as people get healthier they have an effect on everybody in their family and that was very rewarding and uh, 10 years ago I started my own practice and began traveling the world to run seminars in psychological well-being um, and I wrote a book about psychological well-being called Coming Home. So now I do a lot of my work on Zoom 
I did about 84 seminars last year on psychological well-being. I talk at conferences. I train other trainers to work with people and recognize their well-being and help help people access their own well-being. So that's a sharp version, Carrie, of There is a short I, version. But did you actually, growing up, before you got to, because there's a big gap that you just jumped straight to the college, um, did you yeah. experience any trauma or anything that you went through yourself? I was incredibly anxious and insecure. And in those insecure, uh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Trauma, I mean, I grew up with an alcoholic father. Uh, I withdrew and experienced great anxiety. I couldn't really talk to women until I met my wife in college. It was the first person I, first woman I felt comfortable just talking to. Um, and so what I was learning to help other people was also helping me. There we go, there it right is, because generally when we've been hearing about the three principles, it's kind of slipped and skipped, and we talk solely on those three principles. But those people that are listening to um, your background, I'm not yeah. getting you skipping, I'm actually identifying that before you got to the awareness of your life, there was that instability. There was that, you said anxious, you used the word anxious. What does yeah, the anxious issue. experience feel like, being anxious? What does that feel like? Uh, my mind goes blank and I don't know what to say. Was you shy? I could be, I could be with people and get so anxious I couldn't think. Mm -hmm. Was there any other telltale tips that you, they, you call social anxiety? I, it just affected every area of my life. There you go. So in the, over in the UK, we'd call that social anxiety, not wanting to be around other people or events. They were triggering events for you. So you had to find a way out of these triggers, these thought processes, the bad habits that you probably encountered and this is your way of repairing yourself was and taking your life back was to to know more about the mind and yeah well before that I tried other things that didn't work so well drugs, <laughs> and, drugs and alcohol and anything anything that could sort of numb the pain I was feeling that's that's what I call um, a lot of people won't like my my knowledge about what I'm what, what how can I put this um, drinking smoking drugs alcohol it's very easy to say addiction use that word as drug and alcohol addiction it's very easy to use that word but I'd like to replace that word and say it is a form of self-harm because you're doing it to injury to oneself so you know, it wouldn't be very nice for my viewers out there, the people that are on the platform, to say, hey, I'm a drinker, but I must have, that's a self-harm. They, they, they wouldn't even think about putting it that way. But that is actually what's ha what was happening to a lot of people that happened to myself. 
um, relied upon drink and that social environment to make me feel good, but it was just a mask, you know? Facing up to fears, and this is what you're identifying, isn't it, when you're dealing with your college yeah. people, etc., that you're hearing their stories, and it's a reflection of you, was it, a little bit? Well, I had a lot of compassion for people who were struggling. Yeah. That, that's why in high school, I didn't see kids as being troublemakers. All the other teachers in school labeled so many of the kids as troublemakers. And I just saw kids like myself that were struggling to get by, yeah. doing, the best, doing the best they could. So I, I told them, give me every one of those kids. I don't care, put them in my class because when they're in my classes, they don't cause trouble. Mm. Because you, you speak a certain I language. Them, I, don't, I don't see them as troublemakers. I see them as really cool kids who at times get all caught up in their thinking the way I was. Isn't it funny how they use the word troublemakers when actual fact if they turn around and say trouble, troubled people. You know, there is the underlying yeah. issue of why they are troubled. Yeah. And then at home is one thing, going to school was another story. Sometimes it's a little bit of relief, but then sometimes when you're at school, some people are faced with it all over again. You know, being troubled at school because of certain individuals, different love languages that they speak with each other. Some are authority, some are controlling, so some are very damaging. So. The lowest of the lowest, did you ever hit rot, rock bottom? I don't know. I was suffering a lot. My dad, my, my dad died at 56 and I was headed in the same direction. I thought that was really young for somebody who, when he, when his mind was free and clear, was a really kind loving man and he was successful in his community in his private life he was tormented and mm. my parents relationship couldn't survive that they got divorced and that was very painful his story sounds a bit like mine <laughs> you know with the alcohol and, and things like that and then watching my my parents with the alcohol which caused the detriment within you know being a child being surrounded by that um it's very very similar to mine, that one, that part there. So you get lost, nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, and and I developed this notion that I could be sort of happy on the outside, but inside I was broken and damaged. Okay. And and when I entered the field of psychology, they supported that view of human beings. So everybody had a mental illness that you would have for life and yeah. uh, people were damaged goods and so when you feel like there's something wrong with you and you're damaged and you're not the same as other people it's very disheartening that's why a lot of people lose hope mm -hmm. because they do a lot of suffering and they feel like there's no hope because they're damaged goods. And and the words that are thrown out 
as um, oh you know you're, you're, you're just drama or you're this or you're this that this just added words on top of the injury already and, and it, it, you're beaten down by words well the reason why there hasn't been more compassion for people who are suffering is that there hasn't the view of psychology for many many years was that people were damaged and that early experiences really would cause irreparable damage to people and the best you could do is to work hard to develop a strong ego so you could be healthy enough to get through life be, uh, freud's notion of well-being was the best you can hope for is to become a well-adjusted neurotic and so the view in psychology was not very hopeful and i had so much compassion for people who were suffering that i was drawn toward teachers in the field of psychology who were interested in well-being as opposed to illness and it makes a difference what you focus on yeah. and so i studied with early pioneers in the field of psychology who believed that people were good and then they get caught up in their thinking in ways that creates enormous suffering so you take any human being and if they have some negative thoughts come into their head which is normal and then they grab onto those thoughts and then they hold those thoughts i'm broken i'm damaged i'm no good i'm unlovable i, I can't be like other people what's wrong with me any human being who holds on to thoughts like that and starts believing that they're true will suffer terribly and so when I worked with people as a psychologist who were suffering, I started noticing that they were all doing that. But I also noticed and was being taught by other psychologists in the field that all human beings at time become really present and their mind quiets down. And when they do, they exhibit signs of well-being. No exception no exception so i became if i wanted to help kids like the students that i had in my uh, classes that were tormented by the self-concepts they had of themselves and by the thoughts that they were thinking all day long and and it could be thoughts of i'm no good or it could be judgments about themselves and other people i hate this i hate that i can't stand this and they live in that thinking and so my heart went out to them carrie and and i wanted to i was open and drawn toward teachings that didn't throw people into the trash bin and say your broken, your damaged goods. I did a training in a prison and one of the guys said, people here 
think we're trash. And he took a piece of paper and he crumpled it up and he threw it into the center of the circle of uh, 10 ex-violent offenders I was talking to. And he says, they think we're trash and they just, prison is the trash bin. And my experience is everybody is a beautiful person. And at times we all get caught up in thinking in such a way that we suffer. And I saw no exceptions to that. That was certainly true of me. It was true of my father. It was true of all the students. But I also saw with those students that when they were in class and I treated them with kindness and love and respect, all that negative thinking started to fall away and they be, they would laugh and they would they started to enjoy learning and they would participate and and they felt cared for and they were kind to one another and and so there were psychologists that says well that's just a covering and underneath all of that is is the rotten core and then I'm studying psychologists who had the exact opposite opinion who said no that it, it, you got it backwards <laughs> underneath all of that is how we're born present awake alive no judgments no shoulds no negative story in our head no negative self-concept no negative beliefs that we think are true that's our natural state and then we gradually develop our intellect and get more and more caught up in and involved in our thinking and it's inevitable that suffering is the byproduct of being caught up in negative thought it's a byproduct i will concur i've seen no exception i've seen no exceptions to that carrie with anybody and i've worked with people who've had every single psychiatric diagnosis that can be given I would, I will agree with you on that. I'm only going from my own experience. When you talk, pull me back into where I used to be. Only I'm looking back of yes. mm, how erratic it was, how irrational it was, how the thought process would just be like. I think, I think what unbalances me is a relationship. <laughs> that's where, oh gosh, it's change again, and that's where. A lot of people with my diagnosis have relationship problems. They want to get close, yeah. but they push away. Well, I have relationship problems when I'm caught up in my thinking. And <laughs> and right now, I have, a, I have a wife of 53 years that I'm madly in love with. I'm caught up in my thinking. I don't communicate well, and I, I don't. I, uh, I have negative thoughts in my head, and, and, if, and if, I, if I get caught up in that thinking, I'm not very kind at that moment, and I don't communicate well, and, and then I can yeah, wake up out yeah. of that thinking. Right. It falls away, and I fall back in love with her, and I communicate beautifully. And I started noticing that's true for anybody. When our heads are clear and we're present, we, anybody communicates beautifully. Yeah. People don't need a course in communication to communicate beautifully. Show me anybody caught up in their thinking and they'll be struggling to communicate. So I think then, then I, because it sounds like I'm smiling, it sounds beautiful. 53 years, if only I had 53 years, <laughs> I don't. So you, you know, that, that's really nice. But um, one of the things talking about 53 years. Harry, learning this saved my life. 
course, of course. It saved my life. I, I, I know I, I would have ended up becoming more and more dependent upon alcohol, and and I already was in several. Uh, uh, dangerous, uh, yeah. drunken driving, near-death accidents where I passed out and did 360s and went off the road and uh, there was no reason at all to think that wouldn't have been the path I would have continued to follow. And then I start studying people in the world who have hope for people who see people as having well-being inside, who see how innocent it is for anybody to get caught up in thought, feel, we're going to feel whatever we're thinking, so if we get caught up in negative thought, we're going to feel bad. And I've asked tens of thousands of people all over the world, where do you think that bad feeling comes from? And not a single person goes, oh, it's thought. Because they haven't been taught that. Use, now we're they teaching use the word this. Fear, which is for <laughs> what you're fearing about. And so when people over here um, explain to me their anxiety, I say yes. to them, "What are you fearful for? What are you thinking about? What are you overthinking about?" Because mm. it's what you're talking about. So when we talk about anxiety, we are talking about the overthinking. And the irrational decision making that one is making based on yeah. thinking the worst. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I felt that anxiety before. What the, if for viewers that listen, what anxiety feels like for me? For instance, I would pick up this phone. I would try and make a telephone call. If it's my stuff, I found it difficult because I felt that I was going to be judged, even on a telephone call. And yeah, so yeah. No, I know that it's easy to get way. caught up in fearful thinking, yeah. caught up in... So I had to in... turn it, I had to turn it away, around, so those, when I did have to take an action, those little things wouldn't bother me, I managed to work through it in a better way, um, rather than in a panic way. So that's where I've progressed, having to, where you're talking about changing the thought process, and that's yeah. what we have to do, from what we've been taught having to undo it and be in control so your light bulb moment um you know i can feel your story when you're saying you're helping giving back that's why yeah, I that's do. how that's how it feels i'm always paying it forward yeah. i'm so grateful that i learned something yeah. that helped me begin to be less burdened by my thinking and allow my natural well-being to shine forth. It's like when the clouds that were caught, the storm clouds were caught up in, all that thinking were caught up in begins to fall away. What's left in people is well-being. It's like the sun shines back through again. I've seen this over and over again, working with clinically depressed people, anxious people, uh, uh, people who have gone to prison for rage and have been living in rage and none of them innocently have been taught that your feelings of tension, stress and upset are created by the thinking you're doing in the moment. Mm -hmm. And when people begin to see 
that the this tension they're feeling is not being done to them by the world or by their past or by their personality or by life. They begin to see, oh, it's just innocent. I'm just caught up in some thinking. And when people realize that, people naturally, when they realize it's my thinking creating this, this suffering I'm in right now, this feeling, the feeling, not what happened. Horrible stuff happens to people. Mm -hmm. It would be like if somebody hits you in the head with a baseball bat and you walk away with the baseball bat and keep hitting your head with all kinds of negative thinking that you think is true. And when people begin to realize, oh, wait a minute, what I'm feeling right now, what happened was horrible, horrible. But right now, what I'm feeling is being created by my thinking because the great discovery blew me away, Carrie. When we realize that it's our thinking, we don't have to fix it, change it, improve it. We just let it go. Come back to the now. And in the now, that thinking will begin to quiet down and fade away. You're not giving it attention. You're not holding on to it. And when it falls away, in the now is the only place we can find our well-being for anybody. Just people, when people's heads clear, without trying and without doing anything, they start feeling a little better. And when they feel better, they start being able to do better in life, communicate, be with people, enjoy going for a walk in the woods, enjoy the food you're eating because you're present. That's where our, that's where human beings well-being comes forward. Now, I had been a psychologist for 10 years studying mental health, and I still didn't know where my feelings came from, Carrie. And, and I met a teacher named Sidney Banks who made it very clear that the only place any feeling is created from is our thinking. Because as our thinking changes, our feelings change. And you have two people in the same situation, they have two completely different feelings. I often would be with my wife freaking out and she'd be calm as can be. And I'm thinking, well, the situation is causing me to freak out and it, why isn't it causing her to freak out? Well, we had different thinking and I didn't know that. So then I learned two things, Carrie. One is, my feelings come from thought. Now that helped me immediately to start catching times when I'm caught up in my thinking and I would just say, well, why am I holding on to this thinking? Why am I continuing to think about this if it's creating this feeling? Why, why would I keep doing that? And I come back to the present moment and I do the opposite of what I used to do. I just let go of that completely. When I would, I'd feel better. And when I felt better, I could deal with anything going on in my life better. Anything, any horrible stuff. I still have to deal with it. So you either deal with it. Why? I used to try and deal with all my problems while I was caught up in negative thought. Didn't go very well. I was either fearful or angry. And 
I would bring that to other people and they didn't go, thank you, Dickon. Now, now I feel better. <laughs> now we can work this out. And then it was like I started taking responsibility for my own feeling and my life started changing. And the second thing I learned is that when my head clears, this natural well-being starts coming forward. And I've seen this in every client I've worked with over in the last 44 years. Yeah, I know. So, do you know what? I'm like lifted because when when you when someone is giving you a conversation, the conversation mm. is, is it relatable? That's what's yeah. happening when I'm sitting here. So I'm taking everything in that you're saying, and I'm thinking, hmm, well, this is how I feel. You know? I, what I like about this is ordinary too. I still have all the same feelings. I get anxious. I get upset. But those feelings don't scare me anymore, yeah. and they're friendly. They're friendly because they're reminding me I'm caught up in thought, and it's like an alarm clock going off to wake me back up. And when I come back to the now, I calm down, I feel better. And then when I feel better, I have all the common sense I need to deal with all the difficult things that I've had to deal with in my life. It's not my. It's not like my life has been easy. It's like with more well-being available to me, I have an easier time dealing with all the difficult things we all have to deal with. I totally can relate to what you're saying. It's really a nice conversation because for me, I'm sitting back proud of my achievement. <laughs> I'm proud that I'm going forward and, and based on yeah. your conversation, it's actually like a validation for me in a sense. Like, yeah. yeah, like that car park ticket that comes through the door. How are you going to deal with that? I don't deal with it in, in the way I could have done where I let it sap out my energy. Now I lo logically think, oh, oh, okay. Mm. This is, this is a little bit of work for me, isn't it? The universe is lining yeah. me up to do something and I'm going to learn something from this. And so I've, that's how I've learned to play yeah. with, with the process of removing the negative by replacing it with a different thought process of, do you know what, it's gonna be all right. You know, we, we, haven't we been here before? Can we accomplish it a different way? And, and you know, especially, it's it's nice for me to put your breath of fresh air today. So you put uncovering the fund. Um, I've got your written down. Number one, I can't even read my own writing. It's terrible, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's hard to read somebody else's writing. <laughs> your book. Your book. You 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 did a book, and many people that have had an, uh, a journey do want to write a book now yeah i guess a tip when it comes to concentration do you have a tip on that book and you've written um your book was coming home uncovering the foundation of psychological well-being yes yes coming home is a metaphor i think everybody is trying to come home now home is a metaphor for Anybody I've ever been with, there are times when people, for whatever reason, they feel comfortable 
or relaxed and they feel like they've come down out of being uptight, all stressed out. They've come down and they go, ah, this feels good. This right now, I feel, I feel good. Right now, I feel good. This, and I didn't know that home or well-being was my default setting. In other words, if I let go of everything I'm thinking, not just the negative thoughts, I don't want to be caught up in trying to think positive. I did that for years. It took so much work and effort. If I, if I let go of everything I'm thinking, I start feeling more relaxed, start feeling more peaceful without even working on it. I start feeling more myself, start feeling more comfortable. It's like coming home at the end of a hard day's work and sitting in your favorite chair and you let everything go and you go, oh, this feels good. Well, I didn't know that was always there inside me. That well-being, that it's my default setting, and it's the default setting for any human being, any human being who falls out of their thinking and rests in the now, has a different feeling when they're caught up in negative thought, thinking it's true, and then feeling compelled to act on that view of life. That gets any of us into trouble. That's when I get into trouble still, Carrie, I get caught up in some thinking and I'm and I'm really caught up and maybe my wife will notice I'm caught up and she'll go do, do, you, do you think having your wife by your side for all the fifty three years that's a that's a long time. But having your wife the the yin and yang of different languages, would not having your wife by your side to prompt you on conversations of like mm, you know because she's, she's the rational side of it of, of you when when you're got caught it, up it, in that it, thinking so she's like there's no trigger. there's no question that helps yeah. there's no I'm eternally grateful for my wife mm-hmm. yeah she there are there are some people that we meet in life who just seem very relaxed and at ease with themselves in other words they've somehow on their own discovered the benefits of not holding on to thoughts that burden us. Mm. For whatever reason, they've had an insight about that. Maybe they were young or maybe they just suddenly realized, why would I keep thinking about this? Look what it's doing to me right now. Mm -hmm. And so when I met my wife, it was unusual for me to be with someone who is so present and down to earth and kind, just warm. And she would get upset and she'd just get a little quiet and not hold on to it and it would just sort of flow through her. I, When I first met her, I was doing all of these techniques to try and build my well-being that I didn't think I had. So I was meditating four hours a day. I was working on affirmations every day. I had journals where I would write down everything I was thinking and try and reframe it. I had, uh, I worked on five dreams a night. 
I'd write them down by flashlight pen in the middle of the night, and I had all my dreams to work on. I did all that work. I was reading all of these books in psychology about theories about why we're so messed up and what we could do about it, and all the techniques. and And then I start learning. Wait a minute. I'm just like everybody else. This is what I learned from my teacher. I'm just like everybody else. I think, I'm aware, and I have a mind. Who doesn't? That's right. Every human being thinks. Very few people understand the role their thinking plays in creating their experience. Because I've asked tens of thousands of people, literally, what are you feeling, and where do you think that feeling is coming from? People haven't learned. Oh. There's only one source for what we're feeling, the mental activity we're having at that moment. Because when our thinking changes, our feelings change, right? As we just haven't been taught that. Now there are people all over the world teaching this in schools. Unbelievable! The iHeart program in England, and the research coming out of that, and the benefits for kids to learn this at an early age that they think. And feel, and they can be aware of that. And when they are, they start letting go of more and more thought, and they stop feeling like their feelings are done to them. So they stop feeling so victimized. Very empowering to see kids begin to see that they're not the their feelings are not caused by the world. They're Created in the moment from their own thinking, it's like, oh, that's all it is. This is all it is. I don't have to fix it. There's nothing broken. I'm just like everybody else. I think and I feel, and it's normal to have these feelings. There's nothing wrong with feeling tension, stress, or upset, but it makes a big difference where I think it comes from. <laughs> If、yeah. I think it comes from the world, there's I'm screwed. There's nothing I can do if I. If I begin to realize through insight, wait a minute, I'm just like everybody else. There's my friend caught up in some thought and feeling that feeling. They think that feeling is caused by something that happened days ago. <laughs> They don't know that it's being created right now by their thinking, because in the next minute they get distracted. They stop thinking about it. The feeling doesn't. Exist anymore because it's not being created by thought. And 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 this is where, from experience,、um, when there's a, been a trigger, there it's a constant. Let's play back over that old record. And sometimes we have to change that old record、um, and do with what I do is use a distraction technique.、Yeah. And that and,、yeah. and that that's 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 a classic example on the other foot of. This language over here.、Um, distraction techniques are really good when someone's in a panic, and that's what you're saying. Created in the thought, how you can change that. My、oh. feeling becomes my friendly reminder of when I'm caught up in thought in a way that's not helping.、Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a perfectly designed system. Yeah, it's it's working perfectly. So when I get Caught up in negativity, my feelings let me know that's all that's happening, and then without a technique, I let go of 
what everything I'm thinking at that moment come back to the now. So if people really see its thought, they come back to the now. Here's a metaphor I used. One time I'm walking down the street, Carrie, and I'm thinking about something and I'm pissed. And I'm going, ah, oh, I can't believe it. And, and I'm just getting all worked up. And it's a beautiful day, nothing's happening, nothing around me. I'm just thinking up a story that's creating a very strong emotion in me. A lot of memory involved in this story. <laughs> okay. And then, for whatever reason, because I was learning about this, I was then went, oh my God, I'm thinking up a frenzy right now. I'm just, it's just me. I'm just here thinking away. And it's creating this incredible story and incredible feeling. And just in that moment, I just stopped and looked around and it was a beautiful day. And I kept walking and it went away. But then mind is a deeper intelligence. It's not our brain. It's a deeper intelligence. The deeper intelligence brought me a thought I had never had before. That's how it works. When our minds are clear, we get new thinking. It comes out of this creative energy of life. I get a new thought and, I, and it's like all of a sudden I saw myself as a kid watching cartoons and they had these great big hammers and they would always hit people on the heads with the hammers and people would get all dizzy and they they have birds chirping and sea stars and I saw myself when I was angry hitting myself on the head with the angry thought hammer <laughs> yeah and then I started thinking but I got a whole bag of hammers I got a little worry hammer a little hammer just <laughs> oh my god what's gonna happen I don't know I don't know if I can do this and oh what's I don't like this I don't want to I don't want to go I don't I don't right now here's what I here's what I'm realizing is people begin to realize that thought creates their feeling more and more they start catching themselves with their thought hammers worry hammer negativity hammer judgment hammer and overanalyzing hammer and when people see the reason why I have a headache is because of the hammering it's nothing out there doing it people don't need a technique to put the hammer down I've never I wouldn't <laughs> if somebody if somebody came in and they were hitting themselves with a hammer saying I am so upset I can't believe my roommate is such a jerk there I can't believe they're doing this and you say well I'm sorry your roommate's a jerk I, I you know I I take your word for it but what about the hammer and they go what hammer because people go what thought when I say when people begin to learn feelings come from thought it's invisible people mm -hmm. don't know that it's thought they don't know that the thought hammer is being used mm -hmm. and when people realize that people don't go what are the seven steps for putting this hammer down <laughs> they go oh my god I didn't realize that's just my thinking that's right. and they put it down if people really see that what they're feeling is created from thought. They don't need a technique to put the hammer down. They just go, why would I keep thinking about this if it's creating this painful feeling right now? 
That's right. And, and it brings them back to the now, which is the only place any human being can experience well-being. No one can think their way to feeling peaceful or calm or happy. Or, it's impossible. It's only when we're not thinking that those feelings naturally arise and you start like if you're thinking about stuff, a problem while you're eating food, you won't taste your food. When when you put that hammer down and you're present, food tastes really good. It's very, very true. It's like, you just like popping all these words and I'm like, can, I can relate to that because trying to keep the mind still is a very difficult thing. And I've, I found that a lot of people that have experienced trauma are very busy. They're very uh, overactive and very always thinking, but that's very creative. They don't know how to replace that thinking, um, yes. that thought process with, with being constructive where there is a product at the end of it, you know. So, and I think having to replace negative thinking, that takes some mastering, but it needs about people like yourself that are projecting about, look, we're doing this to ourselves. We can change the outcome with a plan. It, we can it, change the circumstances. It, in order to change our minds, it takes an insight that allows you to understand where your feeling is coming from. Because if I think, say my wife is in a low mood and she says something in that mood out of her negativity, and I have a lot of thinking about that and I get really upset, and I don't know where my feeling is coming from, I'm going to blame my wife for my upset. Now I've got a lot to think about. Why did she do that? And what am I going to do about this? And how am I going to deal with this? And I'm not going to put up with this. And I used to spend literally days thinking about stuff that had happened days ago because I thought that was the source of my problem and I have to figure out how to get away from that problem or to eliminate it. I've got to figure out how to change that person so they're never like that again so I don't have to feel this way. Once I started to see it was my own thinking, as soon as I realized I'm just sitting here thinking up a story that's creating this incredible feeling. It's not bad, it's not wrong, but that's where the feeling is coming from. If you start a fire and you put a stick on it, it'll burn. If you keep throwing sticks on it, it'll keep burning. I was throwing thoughts, thought after thought after thought, I could be upset about something for days or worried about something for days. <laughs> I was good at that. They were habits of thinking I developed because I thought my problem was out there and I'm damaged, the problem's out there, I gotta figure this out. And I spent so much time trying to figure out how to live my life and how to respond to people and how to, and how to deal with things. And I was always thinking, just like the people you're describing, Clients come to see me and they're innocently caught up in an outside-in view of life and they're thinking constantly. And as they start to have insight into the nature of thought, they start having less and less thinking. Carrie, most adults, if you observe, when they have a problem of any kind, do even more thinking. 
And you can't think your way to well-being, you can't think your way to clarity, you can't think your way to insight, you can't think your way to feelings that are uplifting, that help you be strong and courageous and assertive and kind and loving. And it's impossible. And when we disengage from our computer, from our intellect, those feelings of well-being are already there and the perfect one for you will come to the fore whether it's courage or compassion or kindness or love or, it'll bring you that but i had to find out if that was true i didn't want to take anybody's i was such a skeptic and i had been 10 years a psychologist and i was very jaded because life is complicated and difficult it can't be this simple it can't be as simple as we're thinkers we're aware and we're connected to a deeper wisdom a deeper intelligence that when our minds are clear that deeper wisdom will bring us feelings of well-being and creative new and fresh thinking that's helpful 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 we won't get new and fresh thinking while we're holding on to old negative thought it's impossible you have to let it go to get the new. That's that's people who are creative. My wife's an artist. She's always letting go of her thinking and enjoying the present moment. Her senses come alive. And then out of that feeling, she can paint really well and does beautiful, beautiful paintings. Expressive art. <laughs> Expressive art and creative arts. We're all that way, though. We all... When our mind is clear, it's unbelievable the creativity that comes through us on what to say, what to do, how to deal with people. I don't have to figure that out. The computer doesn't have wisdom. You, you can't analyze your way to wisdom. And I used to try to analyze my way to solutions to every one of my problems. So it was a nonstop job. I wasn't present to life. I wasn't enjoying life. I was constantly thinking, which creates a degree of anxiety or tension or stress yeah. anybody anybody yeah. who's constantly thinking and and it, and it is i know <laughs> i'm constantly thinking and it's very difficult but it's only as difficult as i want to make it because i look at who am i owing my life to so i'm yeah. changing the thought process even in that moment because you know some every minute there's a, a thought process i could feel a little bit guilty oh my god you're not doing anything today. People are relying on you. Hold on a minute. People are relying on them too to get up and spread the same message. I don't have to do everything. So I had to rationalise with those thought processes yeah. to remove guilt. So it's, it's again, the pampering of your mind and being kind to yourself. Um, many yeah. times we've been unkind to ourselves. Yeah, I, like, I like that you see that, being kind to ourselves. When we come back to the present moment is the kindest gift we can give ourselves because it's only in the present that we can be uplifted from within, nourished from within. It's a way of self-love to let go of thoughts that burden us, come back to the now and be uplifted. That's, that's what self-love is. And, that's, and you do that, Carrie. Listen, when we first met, I didn't know you before we met. You were really present, you were very kind, you were very welcoming, you were very warm, you were in your well-being. 
And then like the rest of us, at times you can get caught up in thinking, me too still, <laughs> me too still. But now I'm catching on to, if I do that in a way that's not healthy, there's tension, stress, or upset. And those feelings then are friendly. They, they remind me, oh, of the hammer. And I put the thought hammer down, worry or judgments or negativity or, uh, you know. Because when I met you, I was giggling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I came on and I was, I was giggling and I, and I was excited. Yeah. I replaced yeah. the nerves to look at this as an opportunity. And I'm using that word a lot with my thought yeah. process opportunity opportunity yeah. and that's a, a word that i'm using um to overcome um to to not run away from an opportunity because i'm so good at i was, I was look at, past look tense. at you Carrie. not run away from an opportunity so you face an opportunity and you get present and when any human being is really present, they can giggle, they can enjoy. Yeah. Can, can I tell you a story about a client? Who's kid? Uh, she had had a job working outdoors and was very physically active. She was maybe 35 years old. And she got injured. And she was in a lot of pain and she had already been suffering with bouts of depression throughout her life and now she couldn't do what she loved to do so she's at home nothing to do in pain all the time she became suicidal her mom who loved her to pieces knew about the work I did and she begged her daughter I know you've gone through lots of therapy and I know you think it hasn't really helped you because look at you you're suicidal and I just want you to give this a, a, a try so she calls me up and I and I get her on the phone and she says my mom tells me I have to do this and I don't think it's going to work because Nothing has helped me so far. I've done medications, I've done therapies, I've done, and I'm still depressed and I'm still suicidal. So I'm gonna come up and do your four day program. But if this doesn't work, I'm telling you right now, I'm killing myself. Now I have confidence, Carrie, that I don't have to get people to have well-being they already have it they just don't know it because they've spent so much of their life caught up in negative thought thinking it's true and then thinking it has to do with other people or situations or their biochemistry or their past or their personality anything other than thought and it's not their fault it's it wasn't my fault that i was caught up in my thinking as much as i was in suffering I didn't wake up in the morning and saying, I think I'm gonna think myself sick today. It just happened and I didn't know how it worked. 
and she didn't either. But I knew she's no different. She, she's, we're built for insights. If, if people just listen quietly, they can't help but to get insights. That's how we learn anything. So she came up to see me and she's just clinically deeply depressed. But you know what? She got some hope just because I had so much hope for her. And so she was willing to listen. Now, you can't think and listen at the same time, Carrie. Listening is, like I've worked with people having psychotic episodes and I say, would you listen to me? And they say, okay. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're one step away from the, from the now. Yeah. And therefore they're one step away from their well-being. That's what I learned from my teacher that I had never heard anybody say. So it's like, so anyways, she's listening. And then while we were working at times, she would just get giggling too, like you. Because <laughs> that's just her, when her mind clears, when people's minds clear, their well-being starts to bubble out and come forward. And that's why we have certain friends that when we're together with, we get together yeah. and we let go of all our negative thinking and we just have fun with them. And if we don't understand how that works, we'll blame them for why we feel good. You made me feel good. Yeah, I can relate to that too. I know, I know. If we don't understand how thought works, we don't know where our tension, stress, and upset come from, but we also don't know where our happiness and well-being come from. We think, well, I feel good because the sun came out. Yeah. You said, well, yesterday the sun was out all day and you were miserable. There, 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 there was a time in my life that I, I forgot how to laugh. My even laugh never was the same again. I thought, oh, yeah. this is strange. I'm trying to laugh. It's not working. And so it, it, I, when my laugh came back, only then I felt, oh, the, oh, because you do, you miss it all, don't you? You miss it all. So being in the presence, being here, in the here and now, being um, aware of the surroundings, you brought a lot of awareness today. Um, That's right. That's what happened to her. During our session, she kept telling me, Dick and I'm still depressed. I don't know if this is working, but she was becoming more and more present, more and more lighthearted. We, we just would have a wonderful time together. And then she'd get back to thinking about her life. And, you know, I have to make all these major decisions. I can't do the work I have to do. I don't know what else to do. And I'm depressed and I, I can't think and I can't decide and I have to. And what, what about my house? And I can't pay the mortgage. And am I going to have to sell it? And she'd think about these things forever and, and get more and more anxious, more depressed, more upset. And so, I could see her doing less of that. So I knew she was having insight. And when you have insight, you can't unlearn it. Once you start knowing, it really is thought creating my feelings. You can't unlearn that. You can forget it and get caught back up in thought. God knows I do. But you keep coming back to, oh yeah, I'm just caught up in my thinking. 